Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Well, it's that time again. We're compiling another UPR community book list. And we want to know what you're reading. What's on your nightstand or device right now? What's the best book you've read so far this year? Which books are you suggesting to friends and family? We'd love to hear about any book you're reading, including in the young adult and children's categories. One suggestion or many are welcome. Here's how to get to us. You can email us to upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. We're compiling all of these titles, and we'll put those on our website, which you can access uh, just in a couple of hours. Um, and you can call us, 800-826-1495, 800-826-1495. What are you reading? We are going to be getting uh, reading suggestions from Ann Holman from King's English Bookshop and Annie Nettle from Back of Beyond Books in Moab. Our friend and avid reader Elaine Thatcher is joining us by phone uh, for the hour. Elaine, uh, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Nice to be here. Good to, good to be with you. Um, I miss having you in studio, but we're still being careful. So. <laughs> that, and I, I imagine others do, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how are things going for you, first of all, Elaine, with, uh, with, with, with the whole pandemic? I'm doing well. There's a, you know, I, I do get to see my neighbors and talk over the fence and things like that, so I don't feel totally isolated. Well, that's good. But, you know, yeah. it's one of those, yeah, it's, I, I uh, do curbside pit pickup for my, my groceries and, you know, try to take some precautions. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so what about Summerfest? Is that is that postponed, or what's the status? Yes, it was. we had to cancel it for this year, and uh, we, we thought about trying to do something this fall, but um, decided against it, and because it's still clear that we, we won't be able to have a large gathering of people. And so we will be hopefully out there in full glory next June. Yeah, a lot of a lot of these events we kind of take for granted, right? We're not able to have them, not able to go to the opera or the yeah, or Shakespeare I, or you know a lot of these things. Well, and it's been hard on um, on the artists who make a living from it. You know, a lot of the artists who uh, sell at Summerfest, and I imagine it's similar in the performing arts. Um, the artists who perform for us usually uh, they're not getting jobs this summer, and. Uh, so, it, you know, if you have a chance to support an artist this summer, do it. Uh, I know on, on Summerfest, we've put uh, all of our artists who were accepted, we've put them all on the website. So if you want to go browse there, you can find find many of those people and buy gifts for, for them. So you used to go to the Drum. Summerfest website? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay, yes. And I think others are doing a similar thing. Yeah, that's a, that's a good suggestion. Support support our artists. Uh, the, some of the venues that they've had are are closed down, including Summerfest. Uh, so yeah, let's point to next year. Yeah. Uh, so Elaine, does this give you more time to read? What do you? Uh... <laughs> You'd think so. <laughs> but actually, what I usually can't do in the early part of the spring and summer is uh, get work done in my yard, and so I've been doing a lot of that. Uh, yeah, and that, that's it's important to get outside too, isn't it? <laughs> Not go stir crazy. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It feels great. Yeah. But yeah, so I haven't uh, been able to read any any more. Although I I will admit to uh, binging on some uh, some British shows on on streaming. <laughs> ah, well, like what? 
Oh, gosh, there are so many good ones. Um, I subscribe to a couple of services, BritBox and Acorn, and they are, they have all these British and Canadian and Australian programs that uh, I really enjoy. So I've been watching uh, things like a lot of the, the murder mysteries, you know, Inspector Lindley and, of course, Midsummer Murders, and but some great human stories, too, like 800 Words, which is an Australian one. Yeah. Uh, Lynn, before we get into the first couple of books on your list, and then we'll have Andy Nettle uh, coming on pretty quick, I wanted to get this in. Uh, this is from uh, Terrell. Terrell signs at Terrell Baldwin Green Canyon High School. Um, is first in by email. Uh, Terrell says, here is my book list for the summer. The Witch of Blackbird Pond, Revolutionary Characters, Founding Faith, The Girl on the Train, Mayflower, Beartown, Dark Matter, Common Sense, Revolutionary Mothers, Becoming, and So You Want to Talk About Race. All of these books are outstanding and cover a wide area of interest. So that's uh, Terrell. So thanks wow. for that. Thanks. That's, that's a lot. That's a great list. That is yeah. an excellent list. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so uh, I believe we have uh, Andy on the phone. Before we go to Andy, uh, what's the first book on your list, Elaine? Well, I have to say I've been on a on a jag of reading about the uh, Far East, Southeast Asia, Middle East uh, history, and uh, and it all started with one that I mentioned. I was just beginning this book last time we met, um, the Silk Roads: A New History of the World, um, which got me interested in thinking about everything on the other side of the world and some of the history that I didn't know. And then having lived over there, even as a child, I uh, didn't know a lot of these things. So I'll be sharing some of the books that uh, that I have read uh, along that line. Excellent. But the Excellent. Silk Road, the Silk Road is, a, is a good one. I have to say it's more of an economic history of, of the world. Um, it, you know, it kind of focuses on the Far East and the Middle East, but it also has a lot of European history in it, but it's it's a good place to to start thinking about economic history, certainly. Hmm, the Silk Road, great. Uh, we do welcome in now uh, Andy Nettle, back of Beyond Books in Moab. Uh, Andy, welcome back to the program. Hey, good morning, Tom good, and Elaine. How good, are you good all morning. up there? Yeah, do, well, doing well, doing well. Hope you're staying safe down there. Yeah, Elaine, uh, you're, you're, you're fading a little bit. I wonder why. There, okay. You're back. You're back. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Andy, how how are things in Moab? <laughs> how much time do you have? Yeah. You know, I, <laughs> I missed the last Access Utah book program, in that I was about the only one left in the store, just trying to keep it afloat. And we've uh, reopened for limited browsing now with uh, a lot of safety precautions. So how is it in in Moab? It's different. It's yeah. it's just a new world. And that led me to reflecting on my reading habits and styles. And frankly, and, and I'm not sure I should admit this as a bookseller, but I've stopped reading almost entirely for the first two, three months of this pandemic. Mm. I just couldn't focus. Uh, my I was distracted. I had other things, I guess, on plate. And only recently have I begun to uh, read again and how I'm reading now is very, very different. I find I pick up a book, I may read a chapter 
or read several pages, set it down, pick up another book. So I think that distraction is still in place. But as I prepared for today's program, I realized that I actually had been reading more than I realized. And I want to start off with just an epic novel by Carl Marlantas. He wrote Matterhorn about, I don't know, 10 years ago. But this is Deep River, and this is an epic novel of three Finnish immigrants, kind of the classic American story, who come to America, turn of the century. They land in the lumber camps of southern Washington. Uh, Three siblings, two brothers and a sister. Uh, The brothers find their way into logging camps and, and fishing camps, while Aino, the sister, uh, begins to cook in those camps. But she soon becomes bored. She's very, very strong-willed. And she begins to agitate for the Union, the IWWs setting up in the Pacific Northwest, especially in the lumber camps. And this agitation leads to meeting up with Joe Hillstrom, an immigrant from Sweden, who we better known here in Utah as Joe Hill. Mm-hmm. Of course, Joe Hill was the last uh, prisoner to be executed at the Utah Penitentiary, down where Sugar House is today. And it is just a true, truly epic novel, and I, I highly recommend it. But the reading of Deep River and the association of Joe Hill then led me down this rabbit hole, and I picked up William Adler's excellent biography on Joe Hill, The Man Who Never Died, The Lifetimes and Legacy of Joe Hill, The American Labor Icon. I can't recommend that more highly, which then led me to Wallace Stegner's biographical novel that was originally published as The Preacher and the Slave, then republished, simply titled Joe Hill. I never thought I would say I did not enjoy Wallace Stegner. But having gone through the William Adler biography and then reading a biographical novel where Stegner makes up a dialogue for his characters, I found Stegner's writing to fall flat compared to Adler's as a true piece of history. So kind of a triumphant of novels all interrelated, starting off with Deep River by Carlo Marlantes. Mm, that's interesting. And, uh, those rabbit holes can be interesting and, and fun sometimes. Oh, they're real fun. In yeah. fact, the next piece is another rabbit hole. I think a lot of your listeners have read Mar- Robert McFarlane's Underland. He was also the author of Old Ways and Landmarks, probably uh, Britain's finest natural history writer of today. And he unearthed a novel that had been written back in the late 30s um, by a young woman named Nan Shepard. And Shepard had published three novels and also a book of poetry. And she completed this manuscript for a natural history piece called The Living Mountain uh, in the early 40s, finally, and then put it in a drawer. And it sat for about 30 years and was published finally in 1977. And it didn't reach too much acclaim, but Robert McFarlane, through his notoriety, uh, convinced publishers to republish The Living Mountain, and it is simply beautiful. It's a meditative, poetic prose piece of uh, discovery of uh, the Cairngorm Mountains of Scotland, of which 
uh, Nan Shepard explored for most of her life. And it's just one of those quietly beautiful pieces of natural history that you'll go back to time and time again. And if it weren't for Robert McFarlane's Underland, I never would have picked up The Living Mountain by Nan Shepard. Hmm. That sounds, sounds wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. And for something completely different, just published <laughs> is a memoir titled Becoming Duchess Goldblatt. And unlike or like the times of today, I'm reading things I never would have read before. And this is published anonymously based on a Twitter feed, based on the Duchess Goldblatt, which is a portrait of an elderly lady painted in 1633 by Franz Halls, turned into this weird Twitter sensation by this anonymous writer, which was discovered by Lyle Lovett, who then started <laughs> tweeting with Duchess Goldblatt. And it just gets weirdly complicated and weirdly fascinating as to how a simple Twitter feed by a, an unknown author turns into this literary sensation, turned into a real-life memoir in which, and I'm sure it's a woman writer, I don't know why, but in which she uses her real-life memoir voice and then going back to her Twitter feeds and gets to meet Lyle Levitt, and, and it's, it's crazy. The New York Times says that Duchess Goldblatt is a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside a Twitter account. <laughs> that sounds fascinating. <laughs> it really is, and it's yeah. very, very different. But it's a light read, it's a fun read, and it allows this author to uh, publish a memoir that no doubt her publisher never would have asked her to do without this uh, Twitter sensation. Moving on, I picked up Bill Buford's latest book, Dirt, Adventures in Lyon as a Chef in Training, Father and Sleuth, Looking for the Secret of French Cooking. Uh, some of you may have read Buford's Heat. He's a New Yorker writer, and he's, if you like food writing, pick this up. It's wonderful. He, he goes to France ostensibly for three months to learn French cooking. He spends five years there. He learns the, the subtle art of bread making, the butchering of a pig. He goes to French cooking school, which is hugely demanding. And it's just a, a fun-filled romp of, of adventure. He brings his two young kids. Uh, his wife begrudgingly joins him. And it's, it's just a fun, very well-written novel. Dirt, not novel, but uh, non-fictional non piece called Dirt, Adventures in Lyon. Mm, no, that, and finally, that one last book I'd like to plug, and, and I must um, admit that we're the co-publishers of this. And this is Ellen Malloy's uh, latest work. Ellen, of course, passed away about 14 years ago. But uh, just before she passed, the photographer Stephen Strom, who's done some extremely strong work as a photographer, uh, in fact, he collaborated with Joy Harjo, who's our current poet laureate, with a book called Secrets from the Center of the World. He also just published a photo essay called Bears Ears, Views from a Sacred Land. But Stephen and Ellen got together just before her passing and began to collaborate on a photo book that would intersperse 
Ellen's beautiful prose. And about two weeks after their their weekend collaboration, she tragically passes on. And Stephen put this uh, in a drawer and forgot about it until he, uh, and this is a fun story for us, came out to Back of Beyond to do an event with his book on the Bears Ears. And after the event, uh, he was chatting with us in the back office. Sherry, my uh, events manager, and I were talking, and Stephen says, you know, I want to send you a little uh, project that I started a while ago. And the next day, Sherry beckons me in excitedly and says, you've got to see this. And here was a a draft of this book that Stephen had started with Ellen. And uh, about six months later, we're very proud to present This Desert Hides Nothing uh, with a foreword by Ann Weiler-Waka. And it's a, a photo book. It has beautiful French gatefold uh, fold-outs of the front cover, so it expands into a 28-inch beautiful panorama, which I'm holding up for your viewers to see. <laughs> Wonderful. Your listeners. <laughs> and it's it's uh, just a perfect book for this time. It's a short meditative prose with beautiful photography of the American Southwest and especially the deserts of Utah. Oh, those are some wonderful uh, suggestions. Wonderful. Yeah. That's- Thank, uh, thanks for making that happen. Well, it's it's a labor of love. Uh, it's co-published with Tory House Press, and they're doing such good work in this time. And uh, they are also publishing a forthcoming piece called Airmail, Letters of Politics, Pandemics, and Place. This is a series of letters written between Pam Houston and Amy Irvine. That will come out in October, so you'll have to look for that one as well. Oh, yeah, definitely check that one out. Uh, Andy, before we let you go, uh, you mentioned you know your reading pattern. You notice your reading patterns have changed during the the pandemic. Is, does that hold true for your customers? Do you, do you notice different patterns? Well, of course, we had a very difficult time keeping in any books dealing with uh, Black Lives Matters and the uh, entire genre of uh, race relations and how whites look at at race. And the demand for those books has been very, very heartening in a very white community as we are. So uh, that's certainly one thing that we've noticed. The other thing that I think I applaud readers is the support for independent booksellers. It's been overwhelming. We had one person walk in with a stimulus check and just handed it over to us and said, we want to keep independent bookstores alive in this day and age. And it's those types of uh, interactions that just keep us going. Oh, that's uh, that's yeah, that's extraordinary. Wow, that's wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, Andy, uh, stay safe. I'm I'm glad Back of Beyond is 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 going well, and uh, thank you for your your recommendations. Absolutely, it's it's my pleasure, and uh, stay safe up up in Logan as well. Yeah, we'll we'll do it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. Bye bye. Yeah, that's that is heartening to hear, Elaine. Uh, support for the independent it's booksellers. Wonderful. Yeah, a lot, a lot yeah, of those small businesses amazing. need support. So, um, oh, it's great. Uh, so let's let's take a break. Uh, we'll come back, Elaine. we will have the next couple of books on your list, and then we'll uh, welcome in Ann Holman from. Uh, King's English Bookshop. And just a reminder, we're compiling another UPR community book list. We do this uh, about quarterly, 
and uh, we know that you're uh, avid. You're probably an avid reader if you're listening to UPR. Uh, so we want to help each other out as readers. So we may not have thought of some of these titles. Uh, you can help us out, and we can help you out. We're compiling this uh, book list. Uh, you can uh, get your recommended books uh, to us, 800-826-1495 is our toll-free number, 800-826-1495, or email us, upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following this. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and utahhumanities.org, improving communities through active engagement with the humanities. Next time on Philosophy Talk, Walter Benjamin and the Reenchanted World. Benjamin's right. Modernity is terrible, the world is disenchanted, art has lost its magic, and we're all sleepwalking through life. But there are new forms of enchantment. Art is for everyone, and we can shock ourselves awake. Benjamin said that too. So will the real Benjamin please stand up? The life and thought of Walter Benjamin, next time on Philosophy Talk tomorrow morning at 4 here on Utah Public Radio. Join us here on Utah Public Radio throughout the week for Utah State University Extension's Ask an Expert, featuring timely information from raising your own backyard chickens to keeping our waterways clean and tips promoting mental wellness at work. If you've missed the latest segment for the week, you can find all the Ask an Expert features on our website, upr.org, and on our UPR app. Thanks for listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, periodically we get together as a UPR community and compile a community book list. We then publish that on our website. You can find that a little later today, upr.org is the place to go. Uh, in the meantime, we hope you'll contribute to that book list. What are you reading? What would you recommend? That'll help us out to broaden our reading, and we can help you out perhaps. Here's how you can get your book list to us. Could be one book, could be many. Uh, 800-826-1495 is our toll-free number, or you can email us to upraccess at gmail.com, upraccess at gmail.com. We heard from Andy Nettle from Back and Beyond Books in Moab. Shortly we'll be talking with Ann Holman from the King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. We have with us for the hour Elaine Thatcher. Uh, Elaine, what's uh, the next couple of books on your list? Well, so I I, I uh, liked uh, Andy's term a rabbit hole because that's really what happened to me too with this uh, this Far East stuff that I started to read. The the Silk Roads uh, by Peter Frankopan turned out to be it was an interesting book, but I wanted more cultural history and I wanted you know, it's it's really focused on the economic and so um, the next thing I felt like I needed to read was. Um, a, a biography of Muhammad, and try to learn a little bit more about uh, the spread of Islam and how that all happened. And um, I found a short book uh, uh, by Daniel C. Peterson called Muhammad, Prophet of God. Um, it's a uh, it's a book. It's a biography that uses not only the known facts about Muhammad's life, but also it um, tells some of the legends that have built up around him. Um, the book has a foreword by a scholar I don't know, a, a, uh, a uh, an Islamic scholar, uh, uh, I assume a believer, um, and um, it's 
so uh, as I read it, I had a little difficulty sort of discerning, okay, so is this really what happened, or is this part of the legend surrounding Muhammad? Peterson does a good job of sort of building the how how Muhammad's reputation grew, and the facts are are there. Um, I probably will want to try to read another biography of Muhammad to try to fill out uh, some of those areas where I had questions, but this was a good introduction. So, and it's it's just a, a really short little book about I, I think it was about 280 pages or something like that. So that was good. Muhammad, Prophet of God, by Daniel C. Peterson. Um, and then that led me to thinking, well, I need to know more about India. Now, when I was a child, we lived in in Pakistan for a couple of years, and. Um, of course, Pakistan was at one time part of India, and I love that part of the world. So I went to a book. It's, again, another short introduction, uh, which is probably, you know, for me, I felt like it was good to um, have something fairly short that would give me the overview, and then I would pick out the things that I wanted to read more about. So this one is called India, Brief History of a Civilization by Thomas R. Troutman. And it was. It was an excellent uh, overview of Indian history, clear from the the pre back to the Indus civilization, which actually now, you know, the Indus River is in Pakistan now, but the Indus civilization is the earliest, I believe, uh, city. It's, the cities uh, that were built up around that civilization are some of the earliest cities in, in world history. And so, and it takes us right on up modern history, um, through the moguls, which uh, always fascinated me as a kid, and um, but very interesting history to read about, and he laces it with um, uh, how, how religious belief in, and how the various religions swept into India, and um, so we have everything from Zoroastrianism to Buddhism to Islam, uh, Hinduism, um, all those influences that that uh, had a role in shaping India's history. So I enjoyed that that book. Again, it was another short little book, but uh, um, a great introduction. Yeah, it's interesting, you know, you want to learn about a topic, Muhammad, India, etc. Then it can be a quite a um, large amount of research to, okay, which, which book will get me what I want, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and, uh, you know, you start out with something that's a kind of an overview, and then you zero in on those areas that you want to spend more time with. I mean, now I'm reading the the Mahabharata, which is the great Indian epic. Um, it's uh, the, it, it, it's sort of the Bible of, of India, uh, of Hindus. It's, uh, and I'm I'm working my way through it kind of in bits and spurts, but it has the the version I uh, have is um, uh, the Penguin Classics version, and it had an excellent um, introductory uh, essay by John D. Smith, and he also was the translator, and. Um, so I'm really enjoying that. As a folklorist, that's the sort of thing that that's my bread and butter, you know. Um, 
enjoying I'm enjoying reading the Mahabharata. Yeah, that's yeah, that is interesting. Uh, you, you know, speaking of your your you know searches, I had an interesting experience recently. I wanted to read about William Wilberforce, uh, who was the leader of the movement to abolish slave trade in in England. Um, and I went down a rabbit hole, which did not lead me to reading any of the biographies. Uh, what it led me to was the the debates among the reviewers of w- which book was accurate, and which book had a had a wrong focus. Um, that was interesting reading. Uh, I, I have not yet picked a book yeah. and <laughs> and read it, so I, I can't tell you a whole lot about William Wilberforce yet. But I can tell you a lot about the debates about uh, you know the, the the among the various uh, reviewers. Yeah, well, that's very helpful too. You yeah. know, when you're trying to to get a grip, a grasp of a of a topic. Yeah, yeah, and sometimes you know, sometimes I guess rabbit holes are narrower and 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 wider. And this one was a very narrow rabbit yeah. hole that I went down. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say too, I I watched um, the uh, Hamilton on Disney Plus streaming service um, that has been made available for this month and it um, and I hadn't seen the play before and I'm totally fascinated by it so I've put Ron Chernow's uh, biography of Alexander Hamilton onto my reading list so so hopefully I will have read that by next time yeah I've I've read that it's it's, it's fascinating and I read it because of the uh, because of the musical um, uh, but uh, it, it was very interesting. I also read Chernow's uh, book on Washington. Learned a lot about George Washington. Uh, yeah. Kind of the most iconic of the, the, of the founding fathers. Uh, it was interesting to, to get the flesh and blood. Uh, well, and we have uh, with us on the line now um, Anne Holman from uh, King's English Bookshop. And welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. I haven't talked to you all in a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, how's King's English doing? We're doing okay. It's a it's a strange time, and fortunately, people still like to read. Yeah, are are you? Uh, is, is still online? Is it? Are you, are you have people in the store, or what's the status? We don't have people in the store. There's a, there's a few of us um, just doing fulfilling online orders. So we're doing curbside pickup and delivery, and and mailing lots of books. Um, and so it's very different. You know, people pull up in the parking lot and they get out and they find their book in alphabetical order or book or books and, and off they go. Yeah. So we've turned into a little fulfillment center. Yeah. And it's still great. We miss talking to the customers, though. It's still kind of a community. Yeah. I guess people pull up and drive up. You can still talk to them a little bit. It's funny how you start to recognize people even in their masks, isn't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, and before we get into your list, I want to. I, 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 interesting talk to Annie Nettle, back of Beyond Books in, in Moab earlier in this hour. Uh, he yeah. said he found his, his reading patterns changed during the pandemic, and he said, uh, you know, his customers' uh, reading patterns have changed. I wonder those two questions to you. What about you, and then what about your customers? Well, one of the things that happened really quickly is the schools closed and the libraries closed, and so for the first little while, we had kids just needing books. For school and for pleasure, so a lot of just fun things to read, and we were finding that with our customers too. And then, of course, Black Lives Matter happened and continues to happen, and so everybody's reading habits on on our customer list changed rapidly. And when everybody wanted, 
you know, to just understand it better, and especially, you know, reading books by black authors, and everybody was caught a little off guard. Everybody had some books, but nobody had a lot of them, and lots of lists being shared all around, and so, you know, it's been it's been gratifying to see how many people are reading, and not just adult, you know, you've got um, Stamped and um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, uh, lots and lots of middle grade books and chapter books and picture books, too, and that's very gratifying. Yeah. So what, uh, what's, what are you recommending? What are you excited about? <laughs> well, I have to tell you a funny story. I've never, I might be one of the only people I know that hasn't read Louise Penny mysteries. And I got a Louise Penny in my little free library, and it was the first one called Still Life. And I thought, well, now's the time. And so I picked it up. This was literally only 10 days ago. And now I've read six of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that's what speaks to times like this when everything's so complicated and scary and lonely. A mystery is like nothing else. The bad guys get caught. The good guys are good. And the thing I like about Louise Penny is it's not about you know, mangled bodies and violence against women and serial killers. They're just good old-fashioned murder stories, and they follow the clues. And I can't ever figure out who did it until the very end, which makes me so happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that that's the mark of a good mystery, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think so. The other thing is we're doing um, the Mountains and Plains uh, is our is our regional trade association, and we give a Spirit of the West award every year to an author who kind of defines our area, which is which is big. You know, the West is big, and Larry McMurtry is the winner this year. So we're doing a Summer of Lonesome Dove, and oh wow, reading it and talking about it, and yeah, it's a big book. Do you guys remember how big that book is? No, I hadn't remembered. No, it's pretty big. <laughs> Let me tell you, it is 850 pages. <laughs> so, so if you want to take a trip well, down memory lane throughout the West, this is the summer to do it. Um, so, yeah, won the Pulitzer Prize when it came out. And, you know, of course, we love Larry McMurtry, but especially I really love this book. And I remember watching the TV show when I was pregnant with my first daughter and loving it, just loving it. Yeah, um, what do you think? They did a good job transferring it to the screen? I kind of, I did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I was pregnant, so I wasn't as critical. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly I was tired, but, <laughs> but I remember just loving it. Right. <laughs> what else? Oh, you know, I, I feel like I have to say, we had to say goodbye to Jeff Metcalf. And I, I know you you knew him, Tom. Y- and- yes, yes. Uh, had several interviews with him, uh, loved his work, yeah. We just feel terrible about it. Yeah. He, um, you know, he finished Wacko City of Fun Carnival, and he was at work on a young adult chapter book that I had read a little bit of, and it was really fun and funny. And he was also working on a picture book for his grandchildren about fishing, of course, and about a grandfather who ultimately turns into a trout and goes off and swims away and so tender and so charming. And so I'm hoping that this year while we have some, I hate to call it downtime, but certainly time that we can finish those books up and, and, and keep his memory alive. He was one of a kind, as you know. Yeah, I highly recommend all these, all these books. Uh, his play as well, hopefully that uh, continues. A oh, slight, I know. slight discomfort, yeah. 
I know, I know. I hope so, too. I don't know if you ever read News of the World by Paulette Giles. No, I haven't read that one. It was a wonderful story about a a man who had been a, a colonel in the Civil War, and he was making his way home, and I want to say he was in Kansas, and these two... Um, Kind of friends stopped him and said, "We have this young woman, young girl who's been had been kidnapped by the Kiowa, and we want to send her home to her family in San Antonio. And you're headed that way. Will you take her?" And this young girl had been kidnapped as a baby. She didn't know anything different. To her, she was Kiowa, and she was terrified. And the book is the story of their journey from Kansas down to San Antonio. And his way of making money was he would stop in these small towns and he would buy a few newspapers and then he would put a tin can out and people would drop a nickel or a dime in and he would read out the news of the world. And that's how he paid his way to get back home. It was a terrific, terrific book. And her, um, the, the author's name is Paulette Giles. And her new book came out and it's called Simon the Fiddler totally different book, but also takes place just after the Civil War in Texas, and it's about Simon, who is a fiddler, and he's, as the book opens, he's kind of trying to escape from the um, the Confederate Army, even though the war's over, it's also kind of happening, and it's how he makes his way from the very, very tip of Texas um, up to Austin, and then ultimately... Um, he finds his true love in San Antonio. Just great reads. So evocative and so, I don't know, just a great read for a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elaine, you had a question, I think. So these, uh, the, the first one, what did you call the first one about taking the young girl home? It's called News of the World, and it's by Paulette Giles. Is that uh, nonfiction or is it fiction? It's fiction. It's fiction, but okay. it gives you a really interesting, good picture of what it was like just towards the end of the Civil War and the the um, you know the prejudices that existed back then against the um, the Native Americans and uh-huh. uh, the friendship between this this man and this little girl is just so tender and so charming, and the choices that people have to make whether they want to or not. Oh, yeah. that's it. Sounds wonderful. Well, uh, Ann Holman, what's what else on your list? So I wanted to mention a couple of others. We just had two. <laughs> we're starting to do virtual events, and uh, it's tricky. We're learning as we go. Two that we just did, though, that worked out pretty well. The first one was called Citizen Reporters. The author's name is Stephanie Gorton, and the subtitle is S.S. McClure, Ida Tarbell, and the Magazine That Rewrote America. And really, it's a book about the importance of investigative journalism. And we felt like it was especially important now because it's under fire. And it really went back to that tradition. Um, and I like it especially because um, Ida Tarbell, of course, was a woman. And you learn a lot about how it all started and how it was, tr- and how even back then they were trying to suppress it. And we had an interview with her last week, and did a. Um, we're, we're doing these events now on a program called Crowdcast, which is different from Zoom in that it lets you um, have more people. I don't know. It just seems to be working a little bit better for us, and it was fun. 
And then we had an event last Friday with Kimmy Isley, and I mentioned this book, The Lightest Object in the Universe, because it's a book about a pandemic, and the world has kind of stopped, the grids have gone down, and it's about a man and a woman who have briefly met and gone their separate ways, and then as this is all happening, they're trying to find each other, and literally one is on the East Coast and one is on the West Coast. And it's what happens when people find themselves without pretty much everything and how they rise to the occasion. And one of my favorite parts, Tom, about it is that they start a radio station. Oh, really? One of, <laughs> one of the men is an engineer, and he figures out how to, how to put this tower together, and they start broadcasting a radio show about a bird who's a, who's a superhero. And they figure out how to broadcast it, and it starts bringing people in. Um, so I think you would really like it. Oh, interesting. What, it's called what's... The, lightest, the Lightest Object in the Universe. Okay. And it's by Kimmy, Kimmy Isley. It's a debut. Uh, lightest Object in the, in, in the think, Universe, yeah. Um, I think it's interesting, all of these virtual events that uh, that people are figuring out, like yours, uh, are actually, I, I hope that they continue after the pandemic, or at least certainly some of them, because they give access. Uh, you know, for instance, I recently took an art class online, a virtual class from a Salt Lake City artist, and um, I would not have been able to do that. I, You know, ordinarily it's just kind of hard to make the time to drive down to Salt Lake to attend a class sure. or whatever. And so having these things accessible um, online, I, you know, I, I hope a lot of those things continue because it, when you don't live in a place where where there's a concentration of population that that makes those things possible, it's wonderful to be able to just access them online. I agree. And, you know, the thing about Utah is because New York seems to think we don't exist or they don't know where we are. I asked somebody to point right. to Utah on a map the other day, and they pointed to Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, it gives us an opportunity to have authors join us uh, virtually that ordinarily maybe wouldn't consider coming to Utah. So I agree. I hope it continues, too. I mean, I love having authors in the store, but I think this gives us an opportunity to, to, to do more with more authors and also to have authors talking together that ordinarily wouldn't be able to do that or find the time or the, you know, it's expensive yeah. to travel, so... Yeah. So right. I agree. Yeah, and and our world is changing. Yeah. <laughs> you can say that again. Boy, it, sure it has is. changed. <laughs> well, Ann Holman, uh, uh, thank you so much. Um, these are great suggestions. Um, and uh, uh, put in a plug. Uh, support your independent booksellers. Support your independent booksellers. Yeah. We're everywhere. You can shop with us online. You can call us, and we'll talk to you over the phone. And you know, one of the things we're doing right now is just taking pictures of books and texting them to you. So <laughs> however we can help you, we want to do wow. it. Yeah. Well, well great. That's great. great. Hope, hope you get that support. Uh, Ann Holman from uh, the uh, King's English Bookshop in Salt Lake City. Uh, it's been a pleasure Thank to you. talk to you again. Thank you so much. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Bye now. Uh, yeah, it's always great to, to talk to these, these great uh, booksellers. And uh, you, you raise a great point, Elaine. Some of these... Uh, ways that we've been forced to get creative. Hopefully we'll continue some of these things after. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, so let's take another quick break, and we'll come back and uh, get some more books from Elaine Thatcher's uh, book list, and hopefully from yours as well. We're looking for what you're reading. We're compiling a UPR community book list. That'll be up on our website, upr.org, later today. And you can help us compile that book list by adding a book or books from uh, from your list that you've been enjoying. Suggest those to us. Uh, upraxcess at gmail.com is probably the best way to get to us. Upraxcess at gmail.com. We'll have more following this. Utah Public Radio and Bridgeland Audubon Society are excited to present the Grow Native for Birds Bookmark Art Contest. All of Utah's wild birds rely on native plants in the wild and in our parks and gardens. And this artist contest celebrates the beauty of this interdependence and connectedness. From now until September 4th, we'll be accepting submissions and then you'll get to vote on your favorite design. The winning design will be printed on an educational bookmark that will be distributed to Utah libraries, local fourth graders, and online available for anyone to view and download. For more details, go to upr.org. And to submit, just send your submissions to katie.swain at usu.edu. Celebrate nature and art. Thanks for joining us for Access Utah. We are compiling a UPR community book list. We hope that you will participate. Uh, tell us what you're reading. UPRaccess at gmail.com. UPRaccess at gmail.com. We have with us Elaine Thatcher. We have another uh, six or seven minutes, uh, Elaine. Uh, I want to get a couple books in I'm reading and then uh, back to Elaine. Uh, so I go back time and again to the wonderful historian Barbara Tuckman. Uh, she won the Pulitzer mm-hmm. Prize for uh, her, her uh, um, history of the beginnings of World War I, um, called The Guns of August. Um, but uh, she, she wrote some wonderful, wonderful books. The Proud Tower is another one, uh, the, 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 the pre-war uh, era, this, this uh, golden era, at least the people saw it that way, looking back uh, through the war, World War I. One I've been going back to uh, lately is called The March of Folly. And uh, in this one, she, the March of Folly, and she takes Uh uh, four big case studies. Uh, She describes folly as the pursuit by government of policies contrary to their own interests. And so she uh, details the loss of the American colonies by by Great Britain, uh, details the United States mistakes in Vietnam. Um, The the one that I keep going back to, it's just fascinating history. It's the um, the breakup of the Holy See provoked by the Renaissance popes. She said the, the the Reformation, at least the way it happens, was not necessarily inevitable. There was a whole series of uh, Renaissance popes who were uh, let's let's say they were not men of God, uh, and so that uh-huh. th- that and, and then you know it wasn't just the popes, but the whole the whole history. They became essentially just Italian states and. Uh, petty squabbles and and uh, were seen as men, you know, eventually like Martin Luther is not living up to the ideals of, of the church. Um, but um, uh, the Trojan horse is was, was a little history that she includes in there. Montezuma's giving up of his empire, Japan's attack on Pearl Harbor. It's a fascinating history. So the March of Folly, Barbara Tuckman. I've been wow. Reading. Well, that sounds very relevant. Uh, yeah, right. To today. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that I've been reading, yeah. I've, I've discovered a biographer I, I quite like. His name is Gene Edward Smith. 
Um, he, he, he's uh, written a biography of Eisenhower that I uh, enjoyed a lot, a, a, a biography of FDR. And the one I'm reading uh, most recently is his biography of Ulysses S. Grant. Which is uh, quite oh, yeah. quite good. Any biography of Grant is kind of in two parts: first his military career, and then his uh, career as president. Uh, I, I read Ron Chernow's biography, and now I'm reading uh, of Grant, and now I'm reading Gene Edward Smith. So it's it's just titled Grant. Uh, so Elaine, what's well, I, I, yeah, well, yeah? You know, I um <laughs> I uh, picked up a book um, that. Uh, that it caught my attention when I saw the author. Um, his name is um, Tom Nichols. I saw him interviewed, um, and he was talking about how um, people don't trust experts anymore. So this was this is one of those books that felt um, relevant to our you know current life. And uh, he was talking about how he is a he has lived in Russia. He speaks fluent Russian. He's a scholar of Russian history and, and policy, and uh, he has been an advisor, uh, I think, in the State Department. I don't recall exactly. Anyway, he's been a government advisor on, on Russia policy and so forth. And um, he, he found people challenging him who had no qualifications. And um, he... You know, he people would say, "Well, what do you know about <laughs> about this topic?" You know, and he'd say, "You know, oh, I speak Russian. I've lived there. You know, what what do you want?" <laughs> <laughs> and so he wrote he wrote this book called "The Death of Expertise: A Campaign Against Established Knowledge and Why It Matters." Um, uh, unfortunately, I think it's the the, the writing is not um, something that uh, it's not engaging writing it's kind of um oh just you know i i almost felt like it could have been an essay instead of instead of a whole book it was a little bit more there than you really needed to understand the topic but nevertheless i think it's a relevant topic and um you know why don't we trust the doctors who are giving us the advice on COVID? why don't we trust scientists who uh, tell us about global warming or whatever whatever the topic might be. And that's what he addresses in this book, The Death of Expertise by Tom Nichols. I've meant to pick that up. I'll have to do that because it is so timely, right? Yeah, that's how it felt. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so it, you know, I wish the writing were more engaging, but it was definitely a topic uh, worth exploring a little bit. Yeah. Looks like we have oh a minute or two. What's what's uh, maybe one last book, Elaine? Okay, with all that heavy stuff, I decided I needed a break, and so I I have been reading um, Alexander McCall Smith's uh, Friends Lovers Chocolate. Now you know he has been a prolific writer. He's written so much stuff. He's the one that wrote the uh, number one lady detective agency series. Mm, that's right. And um, and I read some of those and. Um, but these, this is his Isabel Dalhousie series, or the Sunday Philosophy Club series, and it takes place in Edinburgh. And um, I, I love them. Uh, this is the second in that series. I read the other one quite a while ago, uh, the first one, the Sunday Philosophy Club. But uh, something 
light, but uh, with with an intellectual undercurrent that you can enjoy uh, in terms of, of thought processes of the characters and so forth. And um, and this woman is she is a philosopher. She edits a philosophy journal, and so philosophy makes its appearance here and there in the, in the story. And I just really enjoy these. Alexander McCall Smith. Yeah. Yes, and, it, and this one is called, it's the second in the Sunday Philosophy Club series called Friends, Lovers, Chocolate. Uh, presumably that series will, will continue on, right? So look forward to more. Well, there are already, yeah, there are already yeah. many. I break up my more serious reading with things like this, so. Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, I, don't, I don't move through the series really fast. Yeah. By the way, I've been my, my uh, what you call non, you know, less serious reading. I've been, uh, I, I love a, a quick Louis L'Amour. So I, I've, you know, jump into the West uh-huh. every once in a while. A classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fast paced and uh, and and pretty pretty engrossing. Yeah. Um, well, well, that's great. Yeah, you know, you have to do what you have to do. You have to, you know, do what you need to do for your intellectual and. Emotional survival. Yeah. Well, Lane, we've reached the end of our hour. It's been great to talk to you again. Appreciate it. Likewise. Uh, I look forward to the time when we can see each other in person again. Yes, yes, indeed. You know, maybe next time. We'll <laughs> in two or three months. We'll we'll have to see. <laughs> we'll stay safe, Lane. Masks, masks probably don't adapt too well to radio. Yeah. Uh, right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's great to talk right. to you. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. And thanks, everyone, for listening to Access Utah. You're listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide service of Utah State University and the College of Humanities and Social Sciences. KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, and also heard at upr.org.